Hey, Brady. So I was thinking about RPGs for a while earlier this week. What do you think about the fate of RPGs? To be honest, I know Fate like Fate Stay Night and Fate Zero. Not really sure about the whole fate of RPGs thing. <sighs> Shit. All right. Let me explain. Hello, I'm Kat. And I'm Brady. Welcome, and welcome to Let Me Explain. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the fate of RPGs. And if you couldn't tell from the intro, Brady knows nothing about RPGs. I played RuneScape as a kid, and when it came out on mobile, I played it for like another two months. And really, that's my entire exposure to RPGs. Yeah, I... I'm a lot closer to being one in, with RPGs. Uh, I've been playing RPGs since shit. I was four because I played Final Fantasy VII when I was like four, and then got Dragon Age Two when I was when I was older, and then I just started playing RPGs consistently from like I think it was twelve to to now. So, yeah, but this is going to be an enlightening, an enlightening journey for everyone involved. But just to get the history of RPGs out of the way, because this is going to be a long, this is going to be a longer episode because the history of RPGs is very long and convoluted. And we're going to be starting off with board RPGs and we're going to transition to video games. But Hold on, RPGs, when you say board RPGs, like D&D board RPGs or like... You'll see. Just, okay, okay, fine. So RPGs date back to around the late 60s when war games, which are games where players manage coalitions, armies, and countries. An example would be something like Risk, which began... They began using fantasy elements more frequently inside of those games. So that kind of, in 1970, the first fantasy war game was demonstrated at a convention in New England, the fantasy war game called Middle Earth. And four years later, two of the people that helped make the demonstration, Gary Gygax and Jeff Perrin, under the company named TSR, made the first commercially available role-playing game called Dungeons & Dragons. Role-playing then became a rapidly growing and evolving craze in the less popular people in society. Hold on, I don't know how I like that. Hey, uh... I may not do a lot of RPG games, but I do play Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know if I like being called or referred to as the, um... Now... What was it, the... You, you've gotta, you gotta understand, this is in the early 70s. Like, if you weren't... If you weren't either high off your ass, or very, very white and very, very rich, you were... <laughs> you were less popular in society. What's really sad... Is I'm starting to feel like it's still the same. Nothing's changed. Oh, but that's a topic for another time. Oh, we'll get into why it's why is this way uh, currently in a little bit. But uh, close to ten years later, the whole fad of board role playing games uh, started declining in popularity. This was catalysted, and I want to preface this with. If you were feeling depressed or you feel or if you were feeling suicidal, please talk to someone. But this was catalyzed by several suicides and attempted suicides by D&D players, which their parents blamed on the game and not their horrible parenting or horrible living conditions. Uh the proverbial oh. cough oh. um yeah, that's a wow. Yeah, it get it got dark. That's a bombshell, Jesus. Yeah, uh, nineteen, uh, nineteen eighty four. Well, it, it, the first one was technically nineteen eighty two, but we'll get to that, and we'll get to that one instance in a little bit. 
but we're going to go forward in time now before we go back. So the proverbial coffin was said to be sealed after the Von Stein murders in the small town of Washington, North Carolina, which is fun fact, the first town named Washington in the United States. So two parents were bludgeoned and stabbed one to death and another barely survived. The culprits were later for were later revealed to be the parents' stepsons. James what Upchurch. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, this was covered in national news, and it was the second major murder in Washington, North Carolina's history. Uh, the first one was when a serial killer who lived in Washington started doing a bunch of things to little girls and then, and then uh, like, skinning them. But that's that's a whole different true crime story. Holy shit, cat! Where the fuck are we going with this? It's gonna tie back. It's gonna get. It, we're gonna circle back. <laughs> but uh, James Upchurch, Chris Pritchard, and Neil Henderson, in their defense, blamed D and D for affecting their minds with demons, because the person who convicted them, the person who was the witness to the murder, was their stepmother. Who survived? Uh, well, considering and, that when I play D and D, I am the epitome of a um, chaotic, neutral, tiefling bard. I feel like this could be me. Now they blamed it on that, but this wasn't like, oh, this is this is how we play, and demons infected our minds. No. Uh, this was a direct response to the 1982 movie called Mazes and Monsters. Huh. If you don't... Huh, I don't know that movie. So, Mazes and Monsters is a movie that condemned... That was spearheaded by Patricia Pulling. The first high-profile... The first mother of the high-profile D&D suicides. Now, here's the thing. The movie came out in 1982. Her son killed herself in night also killed herself in 1982. So, this wasn't due to D&D. This was due to her. It also wasn't due to the movie. Exactly. The movie was released in December on oh. on December 28th. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the suicide being due to the movie. Uh, oh, 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 I'm talking oh. about the murders, the murders, uh, alib- well, not alibi, but, like, excuse for doing the murder being due to, uh, being due to the movie. Because it was, it was an afternoon special. Huh. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was not good, but it is praised now for being so bad it's good because I have wa- I've personally watched a little bit of it. It's kind of hilarious. All right, I need to watch it because I've never seen a bad Tom Hanks movie, and I really kind of want oh, to. Oh, it's hilarious. It actually turned out to be uh, the reason why the, the murder, attempted murder, was committed was because Chris Pritchard, aided by his stepbrothers James Upchurch and Neil Henderson, were trying to inherit their new stepfather's uh, business, their new stepfather's chain laundromat business. I mean, if you're going to go big, you might as well go big. And chain laundromats, man, I don't know about you, I would love to own like 15 of those. I'd make 20 bucks an hour. He he had a lot of them. Uh he I think he had like 13 and he made like uh 1.3 million dollars a year. Oh shit. That's a lot of change. Yeah. yeah, which doesn't make sense why he was living in uh in the subsection of Smallwood cuz <laughs> cuz Smallwood is not exactly a uh It's not exactly the most the most luxurious place in the world, uh, especially where they were living. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so 
what ended up happening due to the due to the Von Stein murders and the excuse for them doing the murders being blamed on D&D. Although the defense didn't hold up in court, it did spawn even more blowback from religious organizations and ended up throwing TSR into financial turmoil. So, like, it's kind of fucked how a bunch of Christians just have one crazy dude, like three crazy dudes say that D&D infected their minds and then all of a sudden it throws your legitimate business into turmoil. It's kind of fucked. Oh, fucking course. Yeah. We're also going to switch gears and this is going to feel like a little bit of whiplash, but we're we're like I said, we're going to circle we're going to circle back. Hold on. Uh, hold on. We're just now getting whiplash after listening to two horrible murder stories. No, it was one murder story and one uh suicide story that was that was due to a bunch of like parental abuse, oh. but uh right. and now we're going to get the whiplash. All right, lay it on me. Okay, so in 1982, also, the first video game RPG was released on the Atari 2600. More RPGs were released in the coming years until Fantasy Star, which released on the Master System and redefined the genre of RPGs in 1987, created a huge popularity boost in video RPGs. Well, technically, computer RPGs at this point, but. Uh, now they're kind of synonymous. Uh, the Von Stein murders forced younger RPG players away from D&D and two video RPGs. Now, here's where we're going to tie these two together. So, what ended up happening due to... What ended up... Another thing that ended up happening in 1982 uh was the notorious video game E.T. was released. Wait, video game? The video game E.T. E.T. has a video game? Oh, it has a video it it has a video game. And it is it is credited single handedly with destroying the video game market of the early eighties. How did I not know this was a thing? Huh. It is a terrible game because E.T. at that time was was actually really revolutionary because it used a lot of uh, it used a lot of CGI that wasn't really used in other movies at the time. Uh, so when the game came out for the Atari, uh, people bought it in droves, but when they got it and bought it. They didn't know what to do because there were no instructions. It was based on ASC2 text, uh, which was already a strike against it because most people who were not, who weren't, who didn't know what they were doing, didn't know how to control anything because, again, people would, people bought ET, people bought uh, Ataris just to play ET. At that point in time, because E.T. was such a good movie. That was also due, but the Von Stein murders, although it threw TSR into financial turmoil, it also caused a large migration of board game RPG players to computer and video game RPG players. So not only are the Von Stein murders credited with destroying TSR because later in the 90s TSR was uh TSR was bought out by Wizards of the Coast the people who we know own them now and the Von Stein murders single are credited with saving the video game market because of prejudice and Fantasy Star the first Fantasy Star was brought out as one of the best games of that year because it was one of the first games to come out that did not deal, that did not, that was not based on ASC2 text. So that's like your really, really old, like, 
Pong. Think Pong. That's ASC2 text. But in 1987, although it forced a lot of people to get into video and computer game RPGs, it kind of, video games kind of like had a slow incline of popularity uh, after the Von Stein murders, which kind of brought a sharp increase in popularity, uh, kind of had a slow incline until the late 90s, where video RPGs were forever changed by optical by optical discs. These are like the uh, if you don't know what an optical disc, you're very young, and uh, this is coming from a twenty year old. So yeah, uh, optical discs were the if you if you have a GameCube. Oh, okay. I've never heard them called this. So, hold on. I'm older yeah. than you. You can't isolate people this much. I'm older than you. And I never knew they were <laughs> called optimal discs. Uh-huh. Same thing. Optical discs. But, okay. Yeah. Essentially, it's just the disc you put in the thing and had it work. Okay. See? Yeah. Pretty much. It's just not the same as now. Like, now we have Blu-ray and... uh now we have Blu-ray, and that's a whole different thing. Uh, well, not really a whole different thing, but it's a different technology than just regular optical discs. Anyway, that's a whole different discussion. But optical discs basically changed the whole landscape of gaming because there was so much more possibilities with uh, there was more possibilities with having more power into inside your game systems. There was more power. There was more possibilities with being able to have more, uh, more vibrant colors instead of just uh, ASC two uh, text, which was developed in the early seventies, and sprite based gaming, which was developed in the early to mid eighties. Uh, now you had more. You know, you had things that are closer, that were closer to, uh, to 3D based gaming, and that kind of that kind of increased the popularity a bit. But until Final Fantasy VII came out, video games had never had such a huge jump in popularity ever. Final Fantasy VII came out and de- and basically cemented not only RPGs as a as a pillar of of video gaming. It also cemented video gaming as a viable medium for entertainment. That that so Final Fantasy VII is basically the is basically the reason why video gaming is. St- still as popular is as it is today. Now D&D has also and of course D&D has also begun researching in popularity with a more organic and understanding fan base that really doesn't give shit that really doesn't give a shit about the Karens that want to say D&D causes a uh, demon infestation. So, you know, in 2020 yeah. it just might I mean, if it does, it can't be much worse than Orange Dude. Damn. I, I, I'm just being real here, bro. Um, <laughs> we're not going to get into politics, though. No, we are not. So, now we have to get into RPGs in recent years. So, just to get that out of the way. Uh, so, VRPGs or video RPGs, these are the, these are the RPGs that you play on... Um, well, technically, video RPGs are the ones that are are the ones that have cutscenes. That's what makes it a video RPG. That's what makes it a video game. So technically, there weren't any video games until sprite-based gaming was created. Uh, those were called computer uh, computer games because they were text-based. But now there's really no sprite i mean there's really no uh text based games anymore so the whole 
so computer games is kind of an extremely dated uh, reference to very early video games. But anyway. So a question on that front. Mm -hmm. The famous Zelda scene, and this is the only thing I really know from Zelda, where the character walks in, there's a sword in the middle or like the triangle in the middle. I don't know Zelda. Don't get angry at me. And then the person, the old man in the back, raises his hand and goes, you must take this to complete your mission or whatever he says. Was that a cutscene or is that a text um, scene? That was made by text. Okay, so that's technically a computer game and not a video game. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so what ended up happening in the late 90s to now there was a rise in the types of RPGs because RPGs uh, in the mid to late 80s, mid to late 80s and throughout the 90s really started to see a boom in, uh, in different like ideas with different genres of RPGs, but they weren't really capitalized upon until the late 90s to uh, mid, mid noughties and then, to throughout the nineties and then throughout the tens. So what ended up happening is we started seeing the, the lines between different uh, types of RPGs. The first one that we want to talk about is going to be your action games, your action RPGs. These are going to be the ones that tend to have a lot less, uh, a lot less, uh, I guess you could say a lot less decisions or game-altering decisions. But depending on the game that we're talking about, it could be one or the other. Um, examples of this would be like The Legend of Zelda, uh, Diablo, Borderlands, and Mass Effect, which is also... which Diablo and Mass Effect also fall into another genre. Um, the... Another one, well, the next one that we're going to talk about is first-person RPGs. So this one is a little bit odd because one of the things that I that I know people are going to say isn't Borderlands an action, isn't Borderlands a, a first-person RPG? Technically, no, because first-person RPGs consist of you walking through some some kind of uh, space, some kind of dungeon or labyrinth, maybe even a town sometimes. But uh, you, as the player, are leading a group of adventurers on an adventure throughout whatever. Um, but it's from the player's point of view in front. Uh, and these... And the thing is with Borderlands, it Borderlands is an action shooter RPG, so it is not it is not technically a first person RPG. So nowadays, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of first person RPGs around, and some of the examples that I can bring up to uh, to give a little bit of like understanding of what a what a first person RPG is are Dungeon Master, Legend of Grimlock, and Ire the Beholder. All of these were, like, I think early 70s? No, not 70s. Early 90s? Around there. Now, another game that we're going to be talking... Another type of game that we're going to be talking about is Roguelike and Roguelike Likes. So, Roguelike is technically a... Uh, it's technically an outdated term. Reason why is because roguelike is one with turn-based game gameplay that often uses ASC2 text, which disqualifies a lot of roguelike games nowadays because they really don't use ASC2 text characters to represent objects or players or whatever. They don't really use ASC2 text inside of the game unless there's actually text. And even then, they use they use more optical fonts rather than ASC2. Um, 
so these these were more popular among program programmers in the mid to late 70s, early 80s, and throughout the 90s. Uh, then once we got into like the mid 90s, we started talking about the roguelike like games. These are going to be things like Mystery Dungeon 2, Sharon the Warrior, the Wanderer, excuse me, uh, which first aired in... Well, not aired, but... Mm. Oh, it's all right. I just realized that in one of the previous episodes for the outro, when I was trying to stop you from saying certain things, um, I said everyone to uh-huh. thanks for watching, and we're, a, uh, we're an audio medium. Yeah. So, it Damn. I couldn't I I couldn't fix it. I I thought about it. I thought of different ways. It's just gonna be there, and yeah, yeah. I made that mistake. Yeah, it's not the worst thing. Uh, but roguelike likes are basically it's a party of normally four players, but can be more. Some some games normally, some games currently, like closer to now, would be Diablo, also, Unreal World, and a little game called Pokemon. Really? Oh, because of the turn-based style thing. Exactly. So, would that include, like, the South Park games, the Stick of Truth and Fractured Butthole? Exactly. Because they're kind of turn-based, too. Okay. Yeah, so... uh the original Pokemon is technically a is technically a roguelike game. Like it's not a roguelike like, it is straight up a roguelike because it uses ASC two text. Back in the danger of the Game Boy color. Yeah. Color? It, yeah. Yeah. Well not not color, uh Game Boy. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Now we're going to get into the sandbox RPGs. These are going to be a lot more, a lot closer to what you see now. Uh, uh, what you see now in terms of a lot of different RPGs. One of some of these, and basically what I'm saying is these are a rendition of sandbox games or games where you can do almost anything you want in, like the GTA series but in a role-playing environment. Uh, these games include things like Dragon Slayer, the Dragon, Quest, the Dragon Quest series, the later games in the Legend of Zelda series, specifically uh, uh, Breath of the Wild and, um, and Wind Waker. Uh, I haven't played all the, the Zelda series, so I don't personally know. But the Elder Scrolls, the Dead Fallout series along with The Outer Worlds, a.k.a. the Superior Fallout game. Get fucked, Bethesda. Um, Hold on. There was there was one Fallout game that was actually good, and it was the one before Fallout this New Vegas. mass multiplayer PS image. No. After that. Uh, Fallout 4? Yeah. 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 I can remember numbers. Yeah, Fallout 4 was good. Mm, debatable. Oh, okay. Uh, Fallout, because the thing was, in my opinion, Fallout 4 was a migration of the genre that uh, that Bethesda had. Specifically with the, with basically the whole, it's not supposed to feel real type thing like it's supposed to feel empty it's supposed to feel abnormal like uh with fallout 3 and fallout new vegas you don't feel normal playing those games that's what they're that's what made the game experience so fun uh and it made it so different and fallout 4 in my opinion it changes it up where it tries to humanize the player or humanize all the different characters and there's no real like actual bad uh bad guy in the game uh and right but that's that's the way it is in the real life too yeah 
but that's not exactly what that's that's not really exactly what Fallout what Fallout has been up to now. I mean, now it's full of microtransactions, but that's that's it's we'll get into that one. later. It's only the new one. Yeah, um, and probably the last one, but we'll get into that later. Uh, and Fallout Four, on the other hand, was like it made it feel more. It made it feel easier to choose any to choose any side. While in Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas, Fallout New Vegas had basically a Hitler that you could side with, or you could side with the uh, with the bandits. Somehow, I still haven't figured out how to do it yet. Uh, or you could you could basically side with anyone, even though some of those some of those are very very bad. Um, but the Outer Worlds, in my opinion, is the superior Fallout game because it had, it actually had a lot more heart and depth into it, and it had that, like, that, uh, that moral ambiguity with some of the sides that you were siding with, but it also had some, it also had some characters that were in good factions, factions that were trying to do good things, with who were extremely fucked like they were they were horrible horrible people um that's why i like the outer worlds uh that's why i think the outer worlds is basically uh what fallout should be at least now hmm. um next we're going to talk about tactical rpgs now these are technically a sub a subgenre of uh of roguelike games of roguelike like games uh the turn-based role-playing games that use the turn-based nature to mix with the concept of war games uh these think games like Halo Wars, Wasteland 2, Shadowrun Dragonfall and my personal favorite Valkyria Valkyria Chronicles specifically the first one it is also remastered on the PlayStation 4, which is fucking amazing. Anyway. Why does that name sound familiar? I don't know. I don't know it. I never played it, but that name is very, very familiar to me. So it's a very anime-esque. It's, it looks anime-esque. Let's put it that way. Moving on, we have to talk about indie RPGs. Indie RPGs is a is a genre of RPGs in itself, a subgenre of RPGs in itself, mainly because even though they can fit into any other type of RPG, well, except for one, which we'll get to, which we'll get to, uh, it just isn't. Indie RPGs just just aren't in danger. Let's put it that way. Because indie RPGs, the accessibility to the tools and the relative ease to make one kind of makes it almost impossible to remove indie RPGs from being anything other than its own genre. And it also removes it from having any, currently, any uh, chance of extinction. Because because of the really good indie indie RPGs like Undertale, for example, or or uh, what's it called, uh, Stardew Valley, those are very very good, uh, very very good indie RPGs that are elevated because they're so good, but they're still indie. And although they fall into other different genres the main genre is still indie. Uh, others tend to be really bad, like the Sonic.exe mixed with My Little Pony RPG horror game. Hold on. This is not a thing. This is a That's fucking not thing. A thing. It's, it's a fucking thing. You can look it up. You can fucking look it up. I don't think I want to. 
I don't want to. Um, but so would Minecraft fall in this category? Ish. It would fall. Uh, technically, I know it's an indie game, but it's in an RPG game. So, so it depends on what you're playing. So, if you're playing survival, it technically could. If you're playing uh, creative, no, because it's just it's just a straight up sandbox game. If you're playing it with mods, it could be an action game. It could be an RPG. It could be pretty much anything. But then again, that's anything with mods. Um, but if you're just playing survival, yeah. it is it can technically fall under an NTRPG. But it's a very very technical. Okay, I was like, just it's curious. basically splitting hairs. But the some of the tools that are some of the accessible tools for indie developers are Game Maker, which I've actually used to make a game. I've, well, I've used to make one game when I was in a gaming camp, and then I've tried to use it to make uh, two different RPGs, both of which have not been finished. The first one I finished, well, the first one I did finish, but I hated it, so I deleted it. The second one I started and then got bored of and have not finished it, don't hold your breath for to play it because I'm probably not going to finish it. Um, the <laughs> next one is Unity. Uh, Unity 3D and its real-time development platform, uh, which is free for anyone or any group who doesn't make more than $100,000 a year or has not raised $100,000 a year what $100,000 to make a project in Unity. So these can fall into, like I said, these can fall into any of the many subcategories of role-playing games, except for the one that we'll get to. Now, before we get to that last one, I just want to talk about the fate of RPGs because that's where we're going to roll into it. So the fate of RPGs is prospected to be more online as time moves on. Of course, there'll be your standalone series like your Final Fantasy uh, if Square Enix hasn't killed off the series after their corporate turmoil during Final Fantasy XV. If you don't know what happened during the during the uh, development of the DLC for Final Fantasy XV, the head uh, creative director for Square Enix for the project Final Fantasy Final Fantasy 15 stepped down and left the company and took all of the storyboards with him. So there was no way to actually create the DLCs. So there are technically four DLCs, but there were supposed to be like I think eight more. I think it was I think it was supposed to be 12 DLC for the game, but there's only four. So yeah. I feel like legally he can't do that. No, he can. Uh, he, although he was contracted, uh, he as the creative director can uh, can administer his contract depending on circumstances. Life is different for life is different for people who have money and people who don't. So, I mean that's fair, but. So in this case, he's not the one that like created the actual story, but if someone were to redo it, I'm guessing that he could claim like copyright no. stuff, even though it's not. No, so they could, they technically could remake it. Yeah, but they just haven't and don't want to put the time, extra time into. Well, it. it's not that. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people, me <laughs> included, really love the story of Final Fantasy 15. Um. And the thing is, if somebody else wrote it and didn't completely, like, encapsulate the emotions and the feelings of the game while they, uh, while they redid the game, it would be felt and, there, and it's prospected that there would be a huge drop-off of, uh, of people who, who wanted to play the game then. Uh, and although there'd probably, be, there'd probably still be a lot of people who love the game, uh, it just wouldn't be as much. But 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, some of the other uh, standalone series that are expected not to not to really change are Dragon Quest, Secret of Mana, and uh, and games like that. So one thing that you'll note is that all of these games that I've listed are RPGs from Japan or JRPGs, mainly because these types of games, especially in America, have huge, uh, huge fan bases in America. Uh, like, remember what I said earlier about Final Fantasy VII? Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remastered came out, and it and it was a smash hit. Uh, in fact, the GameStop near where I live uh, ended up selling out of their Final Fantasy VII, their Final Fantasy VII copies. And they had to get more before the end of the week. Because if not, they were going to sell out of them all over the place in North Carolina. Wow. So, yeah. And I don't live in a big town. North Carolina is not known for their large towns. Uh, they're known for one, and that's Charlotte. The mid-to-small town, the other mid-to-small towns are Raleigh and Asheville. Maybe Wilmington, if you're gracious. Nags Head isn't bad, but that's not necessarily a, a city kind of town, more just like a popular destination. Yeah, that's just that's just more like, oh, we're in Nags Head, North Carolina. It's a destination spot. Or, <laughs> a, like, I, I can't go to Nags Head because other people... Other people will be there and start talking weirdly, and I'll be like, what are you talking about? Why do you speak like this? I'm scared. Which, by the way, anyone looking to go on vacation in that area, just take, like, the extra couple hours and go to Myrtle Beach. Nags Head's really nice, but, you know, you got Myrtle Beach. Honestly, I was... (laughs) Myrtle Beach. Honestly, I would say that... uh, (laughs) I would say that you're insulting insulting my state, but, like... Uh, just to just to elevate your state, but like my thing is, he's probably right. <laughs> I'm not. Oh no, I'm not in Myrtle Beach. I don't want to talk about the wonderfulness that we have at our beaches that are absolutely garbage. Oh yeah, like Virginia hmm. Beach is garbage. Never go to Virginia Beach if you don't have to. Yeah, uh, Kitty Hawk and Nags Head are probably the least. The least, uh, the least beautiful beaches in North Carolina. There's but, a lot of beautiful beaches, but those aren't. No, those granted, aren't the they have amazing frozen custard there. Oh yeah, most definitely. That, um, that's, and, but besides, <laughs> we just got so far off topic. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to RPGs. Uh, we've got to, we've got to talk about, we've got to talk about the games that are not going to necessarily be the ones that are not going to be the ones that really kind of stick around. These are going to be the one, like some examples would be from EA. And EA, if you <laughs> if you know about EA, it is a notoriously greedy company. Evidence be evidence via The Sims Four, a game which I personally love, being incomplete. The base game of Sims Four being incomplete upon launch until twenty fourteen. Uh, in twenty fourteen, until late twenty nineteen, when the base game was finally a decent, actual full game. A lot more of their recent games have having tons of microtransactions or a lot of expensive DLC. And then you have the sports side of them where they release the same game every single year without listening to anything anyone ever says. Exactly. That is... Dear God. Um, (laughs) We've harped on EA before, but just sometimes the point just needs to be solidified. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. 
EA's subdivision of BioWare, which makes Dragon Age, which makes the Dragon Age series, which is my favorite RPG series to date, and the Mass Effect series both have some DLC, but their RPGs aren't as greedy as a lot of their other games. Now, you can say that BioWare are the ones that are responsible for making uh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic uh, and Battlefront and Star Wars Battlefront and Battlefront 2. They are credited with doing those, and those do have some microtransactions. But Battlefront are... Battlefront is technically dead, and Battlefront 2 is okay-ish. Knights of the Old Republic is an MMORPG, but Hold on. one of the one The original Battlefront, not Battlefront 2, the original Battlefront on, like, the, <clears throat> on the PlayStation 3. Um, not the new, not the newer ones. The newer ones, I agree, if you're kind of mad, but... Some people really enjoy playing them. The original ones were really good. I never played the original ones. I only played the uh, the later, the more recent ones. The, the space battles in the original ones were dope as hell. I loved them. It was the only thing I was really good at. But, um... <laughs> no, they're, they're not horrible. They're not great. But the originals are better. Yeah. Um... But the thing is, <sighs> Dragon Age, <sighs> okay, but the RPGs aren't as greedy as a lot of the other games. And that could possibly make them less profitable. Mass Effect, whose premise is very interesting, has had its whole storyline frozen for the time being because of the lukewarm response from Mass Effect Andromeda. If you remember Mass Effect Andromeda, oof. Um, I personally think that Mass Effect Andromeda should have should have should have never been made, mostly because Mass Effect Three was a great ending spot for this for the series, and like one of the main things is like Mass Effect Andromeda was kind of like. Here, we're going to throw this shit at the wall and see what sticks after they've killed off every beloved character in that series. And then we're going to try to reboot, reboot the series. Hmm. Like, I, I I wasn't a big fan of that. And a lot of people share that opinion. It sounds well, like Star Wars. Yeah, Kill off um, all the important players and try and build them back up with uh, others. Yeah, but Mass Effect Andromeda wasn't, um, Mass Effect Andromeda isn't known for doing that. <laughs> Fair. Um, well, Dragon Age, literally, while I was doing research, released a trailer for Dragon Age 4, and I couldn't have been more relieved, because looking at the personnel that was leaving and coming into Bioware, I was worried. But I will say that I am afraid that Mass Effect's storyline being frozen since 2018 leads me to believe either one of two things is going to happen. Either A, Mass Effect, ah, huh, Mass Effect dies with Andromeda as the forgettable last title of the series, or EA develops a team that will maintain a Mass Effect massively multiplayer online role-playing game. And to be honest, to me, this speaks to RPGs in general in my mind. Because massively multiplayer online role-playing games or MMORPGs are more profitable in the long run than other subgenres of RPGs because of the ability to utilize microtransactions for, in less intrusive ways, more free-to-play or F2P fashion, and more free-to-play or F2P fashion uh charge players money to get more interesting outfits for their characters which is what fantasy star online 2 does this i know because i love that game or in more intrusive free to play but pay to win fashion uh or f2 
F2P, P2W fashion, uh, charge players money to get more competent weapons and tools in the game. So some of those would be some of those some of those some examples of that would be if you've ever played uh, an Arctic Games uh, game, the web browser RPGs, those are technically F2P, P2W because you can only access half the storyline as a free-to-play player. It's not not to say that it's not fun as a free-to-play player, but it, you just don't get as much... You can't progress as much, and you don't get as much inside of the game in, uh, as a free-to-play player. Um, another thing is... Uh, another example would be... Uh, shoot. Um... Drawing a blank here. Great. Um, the Elder Scrolls Online. That is that is technically F2P, P2W. Because in, for some missions in, uh, in the Elder Scrolls, you have to have a certain... You have to have some weapons that can actually progress you in the game unless you are just a god at that game. Now... The reason for this, I think, is the rise of Battle Royale games like Apex Legends, Fortnite, Call of Duty Warzone, and Forza Forza Horizon 4's Battle Royale mode, The Eliminator! Jesus Christ. Okay, that last one. Was that necessary? I had it in the script. You, I, you just (laughs) peaked. You peaked the mic. Sorry. <laughs> but. <sighs> okay, that last one wasn't as prominent. Anyway, it gives more credibility to the possibility that a lot of games will become more online focused. And although, and my opinion on all of that is that although a lot of that is going to be it's going to be really good for some game companies. Maybe if uh, if indie game makers have the ability and the technology to make more MMORPGs with a lot more uh, with a lot more heart and uh, and just ability and creativity, maybe it'll create just a huge world of MMORPGs where everybody can be in the same world together but still experience a great story. But currently, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, a lot of the times, MMORPGs are made to promote a game series. Like, even though Fantasy on Fantasy Star Online 2 is a great game, uh, it was made to promote the Fantasy Star series. And the Dragon Age Keep, which was technically kind of a kind of an MMORPG, was not really. It was also just made to promote the Dragon Age series because Dragon Age Two was coming out. Um, another thing to talk about would be. Uh, would be Final Fantasy fourteen and Final Fantasy eleven for that matter, both of which are MMORPGs. Final Fantasy eleven is also dead, uh I think. I'm not sure. But Final Fantasy fourteen was technically made to be a standalone game. Standalone game fell short, but then uh but then when they made an online version it became one of the biggest uh MMORPGs to date. Like but the thing is, there are also more MMORPGs that tell a pretty good story, like Black Desert Online, and uh, and I guess we can say Fallout seventy six. I've heard that it tells a pretty different, decent story now, but I refuse to play it. So yeah, um, but the thing is. Now I feel like we're migrating into more of a less story-driven world. Uh, well, less story-driven RPGs and more uh, online-oriented RPGs. 
like I said, I'm not completely opposed to it, but the thing is, games like Dragon Age, where they have such a deep lore and such a great, such a great story, it's just not going to be the same. So, can I give a little bit of light to your dark tunnel here? In the recent years, we have had two games that, from listening to you and going through kind of what RPGs kind of are and so on and so forth, is two games that have come out and they're now series, or series because there's multiple of both, is the Red Dead Redemption, which has an absolutely amazing story, great gameplay, and just... And the second one has this online, this MASH multiplayer online feature, to where you can go on and play with your friends and go through other story modes and different career paths. Um, that sto- The story of that is, it, it's a really inviting, really, uh, it's just, it, it sucks you in. Um, and it has that multiplayer fashion. So it, there's games that do it well, and then if you don't want to look at the multiplayer side of it, one of, I think, the best stories to come out of a game, at least in my limited um, experience, is The Last of Us. The Last of Us, the story of The Last of Us is, I, I personally like the original, the first one a little bit better. But it's it's one of those that those two games and the fact that they made sequels and made sequels correctly and they took the time to properly do them, it gives me a little bit of hope that it's not just going to be more Fortnite, more Warzone, because it's really disappointing that the Call of Duty campaigns have kind of gone so far downhill. They used to be the staple of the game. Yeah. Um, that yeah. there are still some companies, and they might be fewer and further in between, but they're, when they do a story, they're going to do it right. Yeah. And the thing is, I really, I'm really, really excited for Dragon Age 4. Like I said, literally, while I was researching it, uh, like, at the time I was researching it, uh, not even an hour after I uh, after I was almost done, uh, I looked up uh, Dragon Age Four trailers and just saw, oh hey, Dragon Age Four, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> like it was, it was so so fun, like I really, I, because. I I haven't seen the trailer yet, but when I do, I swear to God, I'm gonna be yelling in my room. Um, because like I said, Dragon Age, Dragon Age, the Dragon Age series is my favorite, is my favorite RPG series ever. Uh, but I was genuinely worried after uh, after Dragon Age Inquisition. Although Dragon Age Inquisition, uh came out uh during a kind of low ga- a low technically low point in gaming uh where like a lot of the popularity wasn't there and a lot of the games that came out in that year were kind of uh lackluster and it was just great like dragon age games are and i think it should i think it would have won regardless but i think i think it should have won regardless but other people don't agree with me uh the thing is i was a little bit worried even though one game of the year i was a little bit worried that it wouldn't come back for a fourth for a fourth game even though there was so much more story to cover um cuz there's so much more inside of the game inside of the world that the game has created to talk about to see and i am very very excited for the for, for the fourth game in the dragon age series but for mass effect i'm not sure 
I honestly hope that it. I honestly do hope that it becomes an MMORPG because then we can have some like some semblance of what of what Mass Effect used to be. But I'm not gonna hold my breath <laughs> because you know EA. And even if it does get made by EA, it's still going to be made by EA. So I expect there to be some places where you're going to have to pay like six ninety nine to get into to play for to play for another like fifty hours in this one section of the map, and then they're going to continue to make those those microtransactions inside of it. And you either and you're probably going to have to pay for more premium armor. Not even just a look, but just a, just the protection also. No, we can hope that things are uh, done correctly for these games when they do come out, and that's all we can ever do. And if it's bad, we need to learn not to buy them. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, but yeah, thanks for thanks for going down this dark hole with me <laughs> that I've been thinking about for a long time. <laughs> so, one question I have. We, we're talking about RPGs and even um, the mass multiplayer RPGs. One game I know we're, 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 we would have questions about is why, where does um, WoW fall into all of this? World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft is massively multiplayer. It's not an RPG. But the thing is... Oh no! It is an RPG. Uh, it is a it's a it's a straight up MMORPG. But uh, I tend to say MM, I tend to say massively multiplayer, mainly because with that it is just with that RPG just kind of follows it. Uh, but WoW is basically it's not as it's more along the lines of Final Fantasy fourteen because Final Fantasy fourteen and WoW, you have to pay to actually, well, you had to pay to play WoW, but you have to pay to play uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, and you have a complete world to play when you play WoW. You have a complete world to play when you play Final Fantasy fourteen. Like they're both huge games. They're both amazingly fun games. Also, uh. And you can waste hours playing it. But the thing is, for some, it's not as... uh, For some, they really can't get into it. But for others, they really can. And WoW is kind of the staple of, uh, of... Kind of the first... The first golden child of the MMORPG genre. Uh, now, there were there were other MMORPGs before it, but, like, when you think about RPGs, some of the first games you think about are going to be WoW and Final Fantasy XIV and Black Desert Online. And RuneScape. And RuneScape. I, I need to throw, though, like, childhood experience nostalgia factor of RuneScape back in. I loved that game <laughs> as a kid. Chopping trees, killing cows, yeah. going to see some goblins, a fucking imp annoying the hell out of you in the bank. I hate yeah. that imp. <laughs> Alright. Well, I think this is it for this episode. Uh, if you want us to research a topic or you want us to do an episode and you want us to know about it, send us an email at, you can send us an email at letmeexplainanimepod at gmail.com. That is letmeexplainanimepod at gmail.com. Or you can send us a tweet at, uh, shit, I gotta check. Um, (laughs) See, you're in charge of the Twitter. I've never had a Twitter's. Twitter's. I had to make it sound like I was an old person. I have a Facebook, kind of. Man, I've threatened this week to delete Facebook so many times. I don't ever go on it. Because Reddit's everything I ever use. 
Yeah, I I use Reddit a lot. I use I should use Reddit a lot more. I'm really really close to 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 deleting it though. Um, uh, to deleting Facebook, I mean not uh, Reddit. Um, you can tweet us at Explain Podcast. That is literally at Explain Podcast, and for that, you can send us a request for a topic. You can send us a request for who you want to research that topic, or you can just send us some feedback. Uh, I think, and if you really want to help grow our audience, just just talk about us. Just send it to some of your friends, yeah, or. Tell me how to do better editing, because I don't know how good it actually is. This is the first time I've ever done editing, and um, it's uh, it's been a it's been a learning experience. So let me know if I'm good or bad, or so on, and so forth. Yeah, and give some love out to uh, Cinderella Twintails for letting us use the uh, use their song. But anyway, we'll see you guys later. This has been Wolf Zodiac and Brady God giving you another episode. Really? See you next week. It's not Wolf Zodiac, goddammit. <laughs> mm-hmm. This just might be the way I end every episode. I like it. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Bye-bye. Um, peace. <laughs> Cat Zodiac, by the way. Jesus. <laughs>